All right, we are here once again. Season three, episode three, Overreaction Monday. We are here, win, lose, or draw. We're here on uh, not a victory Monday on my end, but we're here. <laughs> What's going on? We got um, I, my guys in the building. What's going on, Jerk? Nothing much, coach. Nothing much. I'm glad. This is the best way to end off a Monday. This is this is how I want to end off my Mondays after a day of work yeah. and traveling. Right here, us talking football. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Because Mondays are hectic, man. You know, Mondays are Mondays. That's yeah. why we. That's why we. Hey, this is this why we do this thing. Mo, what you, what's going on, Mo? What's going on, bro? You know, like I don't have. It's not a victory Monday or anything for me yet. You know, we actually get to play on Monday night football, so we'll we'll determine now. But. I mean, what better? Great week of football. Another great week of NFL, so yeah. I'm definitely ready. Got some overreactions for everybody. It seemed like I'm going to be the hot take overreactor this year, but I got some overreactions for everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, before we get started, uh, week three takeaways. I'm going to go with you first, Mo. Your week three takeaways. Um, I mean, it just it depends on, I guess, depends on how you looked at certain teams. Um, Like somebody like me who was looking at Josh Allen, to prove his worth after playing two mediocre games, being paid what two hundred sixty million, then like you'd be impressed with what Josh Allen did, and he'd shut you up if you you was as loud about it as me. Josh Allen shut me up. Um, Matt Nagy should not have a job come Sunday. I know like it's three weeks into the season, and you know, uh, but Chicago looked bad. That offensive line is bad, and he didn't put Justin Fields in a position to win, and I think that matters. Like. We could kill these rookie quarterbacks or whatever, but when the coaches aren't putting them in positions to at least semi-succeed where it's on whether he's talented enough or not, I mean, I, it almost looked like he tanked, like he threw the game. Um, and then another one, man, it, hey, my my uh, my Seattle my Seattle Seahawks, you know, pick of not being last in the division. Ain't looking too hot right now. I'm looking real sick, rocking with Seattle right now. But I'm still, I'm still. I'm still Team Russ, so so we gonna see what, how that we gonna see how that goes. Yeah, Jerd, your overreaction and that overreaction, but your week three takeaways. I think, and you know, uh, like I said last week, it's funny whenever I come on here because I don't really view myself as the overreacting type. Like I, I tend to be, you know, I want to see how everything plays out. Like I, I would give grades or like a true proper analysis, like more halfway through the season type. But honestly, like three weeks in, my takeaway is ultimately there are a lot of teams that came into the season that you know people either had expectations of or they they tried to make an excuse to have an expectation for this team despite how their offseason went and whether it be pedigree whether it be names on the roster the the team got that credence but there are quite a few teams now to this point of the season again only three weeks in i think i wouldn't be surprised if you took if you told me right now it's like this team their season's gonna fall off the rails like they're they're not coming back from it then i would believe you because to me, right now, those two teams are the Indianapolis Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Indianapolis Colts now going 0 for 3. Carson Wentz was able to stick it through despite spraining not one, but both of his ankles. Uh, but them losing that Tennessee Titans game, despite the fact that for the most part, their defense, like they their defense did all they could. Like that was a more than winnable game for the Indianapolis Colts that the offense just could not rise to the occasion of. And then you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The fact that they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati, the fact that without TJ Watt, they like Joe Burrow, that was one of his more calmer games that he's had in his career. It just did not feel like the Steelers' defensive line could really get to him that much. And that's not a quality offensive line that Cincinnati has, mind you. 
So teams like Pittsburgh, teams like Indianapolis. I mean, I didn't have expectations for this team, but the Giants, I think we could already say that they not win in the NFC East guaranteed. Like just all these teams coming in that you had either faith in or expectations of, we can already we can already say to this point that some of these teams just aren't going to accomplish anything because they just look bad. Like just some of these performances are awful. Yeah. Like you said, week three was very interesting. I think my biggest takeaway was this was a, a, a historic game. Um, obviously, with the uh, Justin Tucker 66-yard game-winning field goal. Um, and, it, and what's funny is he broke Matt Prater's record. And at that time, he had, it was 64 yards. And then Matt Prater goes for a 68-yard field goal. That turns into <laughs> – a, a game, a, a record, well, record tying 109 yard play by uh, Jamal As, um, Agnew. So it was just an, an, a very kick six. Game. The kick six. Kick six. He, <laughs> he joins Antonio Cromartie and also Cordell Patterson in that uh, 109 yard TD uh, cl- club. Um, yeah. And that's nothing where Matt Prater almost broke his record. And then that turned into, and then, then that turned into another record. But um, yeah, week three was very interesting. Um, like I said, just from the historical standpoint, that's that's all I can give you in week three because week three was ugly for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, fellas, biggest winner in week three, what do you got? I'm gonna go with you first, Jerk. I have future head coaching candidates for the next offseason because I think this early on in the season, we can already start to pinpoint jobs that are likely going to be open come this upcoming offseason. And I think that and there's also a couple that you look at. It's like if things really go south here, these jobs are going to be open. I think automatically off rip when you think about it. Uh, Mo kind of said it himself. Matt Nagy's terrible at his job, just absolutely terrible at his job. And the the way that the Bears have started this season, it's just it's not good. So I really don't see him keeping his job at the end of the season. I just don't. Uh, even if Justin Fields starts to play well, like that was just such a terrible first game to expect any sort of rebound. Like it it would take Matt Nagy would have to become a whole new coach for that to happen, and that's just not going to happen. So I think the we could say the Bears' job, relatively speaking, um, for me the Giants' job. Like I don't think Joe judges. Uh, job security is that high personally i know it's just his second year but when you consider how this team has started game two being the heartbreaking loss game one they came out flat and game three they they just absolutely were terrible against atlanta they should not have lost that game to the falcons by the way the first points uh that the falcons have scored in the fourth quarter so far this season came against the giants in that game just fyi and the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars job to me just simply because of the fact that I don't think Urban Meyer will survive a 15 to 16 loss season. Like just like he's always talked about his health whenever he's left his previous spots. If health is an issue when you lose just two games in like three, four years at Ohio state, then what's it going to be like in the NFL in year one, where you're going to lose like at least 13 games here from what it's looking like. And they're not getting better game three. That was their worst game. If I'm not mistaken that they've played yet. So it's just not looking good in Jacksonville right now, despite all that money they paid him. Like money's nice, but I don't I don't know if Urban going to survive past this season. So, you know, all, all these head coaching candidates, you know, Eric Bieniemy, uh Raheem Morris, 
uh, Brian Dayball, all these guys. Hey, get ready. Get get your best suits on possible. You can't come into with us with sweats like Nick Sirianni did. You're not going to get that lucky. Come in with your <laughs> suit. Get your resume ready. Get ready to send it out this uh, this upcoming offseason because plenty of jobs are going to be available for you, boys. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Mo, your biggest winner this week. I. You know, it's tough to do a show with Jerk because, like. I stay basic and like I kill my takes, but what what Jerk does is like, bro, he goes so deep and it's like, oh man, he thinks outside the box that nobody would think about it. That the biggest winners are the guys looking for for head coaching positions. I mean, he murdered the take. Don't get me wrong, I fully agree with it, but it's just the fact like he's thinking outside the box. I'm gonna go the obvious. Uh, there's two winners. I'm going obvious. I think I think the Los Angeles Rams um, because they are now. If you had any doubt or if this game was to prove to you uh, as a fan, as a consumer, however, you know, you look at yourself as an analyst that that the Rams had to win this game uh, to be taken serious as a championship contender, then they did what they were supposed to do. Matt Stafford looked amazing. I mean, at this point, he's he's probably leading the MVP candidate race. I think Brady's right behind him. I still would have Brady uh, one, but still Brady's probably right behind him. You two, you watch two MVP type quarterbacks who are having MVP type seasons through two games match up against each other. An amazing game, possibly an NFC Championship preview. Uh, so I definitely think you know the Rams are big winners. And then I got to go to the Sunday Night Football game. How is Aaron Rodgers not a winner? I mean, you know, like he's the underdog. He's playing in San Francisco. They were up seventeen to zero. Uh, they they end up kind of blowing the lead. San Francisco with third with thirty four seconds left, I think. And we all like eight thirty seven. Okay, is thirty seven too much time for Aaron Rodgers? And once again, he proved that a I could do the unthinkable. You know, I'm one of those guys. I belong in that category. He, his reaction to winning the game, kind of oh, that was a hell of a reaction for a guy who doesn't love football. Uh, all the heat he's took for losing that first game and he's on a two game win streak. I get it. One, one win was against Detroit, but he has a quality win under his belt through three weeks. I know it's only three weeks, but people love to overreact. And now he has a quality win. We looked at San Francisco as a quality team, gave them their first loss. It was everything we could have asked for in a Sunday night football game. But I think like this is a, it's another week at least that Aaron Rodgers gets to live having a great performance shows who he is, shows his resiliency. And then even being able to, March down the field and put his team in a couple pass plays in a position to win the game. Like, how is he not? He has to get some kind of acknowledgement as an individual, at least, of, of being one of the big winners of uh of Sunday of week three. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like you said, the obvious one I think it was the Rams. Obviously, that was a statement game. Um. And then, like you said, uh, Green Bay. Um. I got two. I think the Chargers beating the Chiefs. I think that was a big that, win. That was a big time. And yeah. the the guts to throw it in, in, that, in that predicament. I you know because most most you know teams are conservative. Hey, we would just kick the field goal. He went up. Justin Herbert went down there and watched the field and, and had that game winning score. Um, and then the Saints. I think the Saints what they're doing. Um, it's really impressive to and it's more so from the standpoint of they're displaced. Um, you know, damn, they 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 you know, the Superdome caught on fire the other day. So who knows how long they're gonna, how, you know, they even gonna have games this season in the Superdome. So they might be hotel hopping the whole entire year and get a nice quality win over a New England Patriots squad, which I think in essence 
even though people may not like look at the Patriots as like the Patriots of the old, but I think still having a role win like that, winning by 15, and then what Jameis has been doing, I think, and he's putting up before, you know, I call it the Josh Allen numbers before Washington, where it's just subtle. He, you know, he, he, um, he had a good clip. Um, you know, I think this one he had 128 yards and he had two touchdowns. And um, it's one of those things where I think New Orleans is going to be kind of one of those teams that, like we said, could be like a wild card team. Um, but I think that was a very impressive win that they had. But, um, yeah, that was, those are my two biggest winners this week. Um, the there was a lot of losers. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I think we're going to be on this. We're going to be on this <laughs> biggest loser segment for a minute because I think I want to <laughs> highlight all the – I want to highlight all the biggest losers, and it's not who yeah. everybody thinks, but I got some losers on this today. Yeah, so uh, we conducted a poll. Definitely huge shout-out to uh, Couch Coaches. Um, so Rams pretty much won. Uh, everybody pretty much considered a 71% margin. Not no, not close at all. Um, Packers ran in two, then the Raiders um, at 6.8%. But um, yeah, generally the consistency of the Rams. I think obviously, like you know, you you go in to beat the, um, you know, the the Super Bowl champs, and and, and in the fashion that they did, I think that definitely mm-hmm. um, warrants that. But yeah, man. So we gotta get to the ugly. We gotta get to the point. Let's, like let's say, do it. It's, let's yeah, do it's, it. I I still got more 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 bite to chew off. So, fellas. Biggest loser. I'm going to go with you first, Mo. Who's your biggest loser? I mean, I got a few, and I think these will be conversations. So however we go about I ain't got to hit on all of them, but I do want to hit on a couple. I'm going to start with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, first off, he got bailed out. So, you know, um, Lamar Jackson got bailed out. It took a historic game-winning field goal for him not to be one and two, having lost to the Raiders and the Lions. Now, granted, that Raiders loss does not look as bad now with them being undefeated, but to have suffered, like, you almost lost to the Lions. Like, the Lions almost got their one and possibly only win. It took a historic, like, Justin Tucker saved Lamar Jackson from, I can't even think about the countless amount of criticism that he would have got. So, Lamar Jackson is, he's, I guess he'd be in the more lucky category but like it to like let's not overvalue what Baltimore did. I get it. Hey, this ain't college football. A win is a win. It doesn't matter how much you win by. It doesn't matter how ugly the win is. A win is a win. There are no rankings. It's all about record and tiebreakers. So this does like it is good that they pulled it out. But like Lamar Jackson was a historic field goal away from being one and two and having a loss to the Detroit Lions. Like that has to mean something. And you, you have to go to the drawing board and evaluate. And what do you always value? Your quarterback. I mean, you weren't able to score against the Lions defense because the one thing, they, they've showed that, you know, they're better than we thought. But what are the two teams that played prior had no problem doing? Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers had no problem scoring on, on the, you know, that, that office, the 49ers and Packers office had no problem scoring on the, on the, uh, on the Lions defense. Yep. So therefore the fact that, that the Ravens started off hot and then ended up having an issue. It, it's, it's some things to look at. There is still some calls for concern, but I'd rather have a cause for concern and be two and one. than having be zero and three with calls for concern. One and two are taking a bad loss. And there were a lot of teams that did that. Uh, another one, the Patriots, the new England Patriots are big losers of this weekend. And here's why I say this. First off, they lost the game. 
Like, it sucks to lose. They lost at home to Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints. But they lost, and now they don't have a winning record. They are one and two. I get it. It's three games in. Tom Brady is about to come into town in week four. And, like, this game, if they were two and one, the Bucs were two and one, Belichick would be able to get a jump and a tie on the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills against Tom Brady and the Bucs. Like, that would mean everything. They are now one and two. And with losses to the Dolphins and, and to the Saints, that's that's a bad look for the Patriots. But had they have won that game, right. that could have been like, bro, like going in two and one, playing Tom Brady coming into town. We know this is like this is a historical moment. I think I think this Tom Brady, this Bucks versus Patriots game might be probably one of the most watched games ever that were not in the Super Bowl. I really think so. I think this is one of the most monumental. I think just getting ready because it wouldn't be our due diligence. Getting ready for week four, I think this is probably the most anticipated regular season game in NFL history. I think that we are going to witness history. We're going to witness a monumental moment. And on top of that, Tom Brady might become the all-time leader in passing yards on this against, on, on, against the Patriots. Against that is Belichick. against Belichick. Like That is something we are looking at and is probably more than likely to happen. But the Patriots losing this game makes them the biggest losers because it's being two and one going into this game and having a lot of things at stake. I think now and the Bucks lost. So the Bucs are coming off a loss with Tom Brady returning to New England. I sense a 30 point L that the <laughs> Patriots are about to take. Like I just sense bad news bears for the Patriots after losing a game that they really should have won and the whole world wanted them to win just to be two and one and coming. You have to face the Bucks. Who took an L? So those are my couple of losers. I mean, I could keep going, but in in one team I'm not gonna name. I don't think the the Washington football team is as big of losers as everybody thinks. Like, cause first off, no matter who wins the game tonight between the Cowboys and the Eagles, there's still a game out of out of first place. Like, just think about that. So it's really not that hurtful to lose to the Buffalo Bills, be one and two. You're still a game. Let's not, that would be a major overreaction. No matter what, you're still a game out of first place through three weeks, and they've showed some promise. So I don't think them losing is as bad as everybody thinks. But they screwed up my parlay. Yeah. we Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into that. It, yeah. So before I get Jerk's take, I'm, I got um, Rob, Football and Chill, and also of Washington Football Guys podcast. Let's go. Rob, what's Let's up? Go. What up? What up? Hey, it's another Monday. Um, I wasn't yeah. gonna get on. I, I have a headache that I've had since Saturday morning, so I wasn't oh, planning on it. Um, but uh, it's overreaction Monday. I'm most completely wrong in all his takes so far, and I'm and I'm gonna explain why in a minute. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm gonna hear this. I love it. I love it. So, so I'm gonna start off by saying my biggest winner. My biggest winner will be very quick. My my biggest winner this week is the Dallas Cowboys and their fan base because, like, <laughs> the Giants are still the Giants. The Eagles. They beat up on the Falcons. Um, so I'm I'm not worried about them. Dallas, I'd be like I would like to be the first to congratulate Mo on winning the 2021 NFC East Division we title. Have, but we ain't even beat the Eagles yet. Jesus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because and and Washington is 100 percent the biggest losers this weekend because we look terrible through three games. Our defense, which was supposed to be our strong point. Which were like we, me and Coach talked about on the uh, uh, post game yesterday. This team was supposed to be able 
to give to win scoring 17 to 21, maybe 24 points a game. We'll have the occasional 30, 35 point games. But that 17 to 24 point range is where it was, was supposed to be our sweet spot that we could still pull out wins because of our defense. We got into a shootout with Daniel Jones. We made Daniel Jones look like Joe Montana, and Michael Vick, all in the same game. And then turn around the next week for the Giants, have that Falcons defense, which we all know is God awful. Make them make him look like Daniel Jones. So I I don't and yes, whoever wins tonight, I think it will be Dallas. But whoever wins tonight, we are only a game back and theoretically in it. I get that. But here's the difference between last season and this season. We're going up against Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci last year and, and a terrible, a historically bad defense. Right. We're going up Historic. against unless anything happens again, unless anything happens. And, and God forbid, as much as I hate the Cowboys, I don't wish for people to get hurt. I don't want Dak to get hurt. I just want to play like absolute boy, uh, boy hot dog water. I um, get that. <laughs> we're going up against Dak and, and, and a reasonably better defense. The way our defense has been playing these first three games, there's no reason Dak should not average nearly 500 yards and five touchdowns against us. That's just point blank, as real as I could be. And trust me, I it it pains me to say this, but we are absolutely the biggest losers this weekend. My only thing, I just, just my, I'm sorry, real quick. I just want to say, his I say no. Well, the Patriots thing was most more just because, like, bro, they lost prior to Tom Brady coming into town, and the Bucks lost. Unfortunate for them. Tom Brady about to hang fifty. On Bill Belichick, enjoy every second of it. And everybody in Foxborough is going to have to root for Tom Brady and wear a number 12 jersey and congratulate him for killing their team by 50. But I just, my only thing with Washington is because we saw this last year, and I get it, it was we had Andy Dalton and Danucci, but y'all had every excuse also. And so the division, the whole division turned out bad. But like for me, the season doesn't really start until like I don't think you start really seeing who is who until week four or week five. So like, yeah, the defense got off to a slow start, a bad start for y'all, what you thought they were going to be. But if they rev up and become a top five defense that everybody expected them to be starting now, you if the winner of this game tonight between the Cowboys and Philly is a game ahead in the division, like nobody's three and oh, nobody's I mean, the Giants are oh and three. So they're behind. They'd be behind only two games, so they still. But we know the Giants are bad. They lost to the Falcons. Their season over. But like being down a game, going into Week Four, or Week Five, and then you play like you play Justin Herbert, you play Josh Allen, you kind of played the best quarterbacks you're gonna play all year. Like that's something to think about too. Outside of Dak, like outside of Dak, how many more top five quarterbacks do y'all have? Y'all played Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. No, Who else y'all got? Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. They got a rough yeah. schedule. We did yeah, this. I forgot we got the Chiefs. Yeah. Forgot they we got the AF schedule. Right, yeah, so I forgot. Jeez. We got Matt Ryan next week. Jameis Winston on the tenth. Patrick Mahomes on the seventeenth. I'd almost be uh, willing to bet y'all win the next two uh, games. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. A Green Bay on the 24th, Teddy Bridgewater on Halloween. Then I'm just saying I, the Broncos, their opponents are 0-9. Let's Daniel slow down Jones, on the Broncos. Their opponents no, no, are 0-9, no, no, bro. Daniel Jones, though. Daniel Jones, 
Teddy Bridgewater better than Daniel Jones. That's and then fact. right after Teddy Bridgewater, we gotta go. We gotta Tom deal with Brady. Sam Bradford. And then, yeah, they, I'm sorry, not Sam Bradford. Why did I say Tom, Sam Bradford? Sam I was Darnold. like, wait, who's? I said that. I was like, that name doesn't sound right. I was like, wait, who was Sam yeah. Bradford, bro? Who are you referring to as Sam? Bradford? Sam Darnold. Yeah. So then after the bad week, because we got a bad week at the at the Halloween, we got Tom Brady coming home, coming here, coming to, to coming to the crib. Sam Darnold, Carolina. Russell Wilson, the, the Monday night, Monday after Thanksgiving. I digress, Derek Carr, my bad. And <laughs> Derek Carr, Derek Carr, um, Derek Carr, and then we got, you know, the division. We got y'all. We essentially have close to the same schedule, though. Like, we see everybody, like, we're seeing top 10 quarterbacks this year, but I mean, I just think, like, it, being down a game and their defense, like, yes, your defense, oh, they're not as good as everybody thinks, but like, it's only week three. Like, about in about two weeks, if they don't step up, then I'd be concerned. But, like, well, yeah, I play the Falcons. Like, to think they won't have a breakout game and get motivated against the Falcons, like, I think so. But that's that's it ain't the, like the Falcons had a great offensive performance against New York. Like, they just but, beat a bad team. But that's what we that's that's we that's what me and Rob been talking the whole year. But now we can't put a we can't put lipstick on the pig anymore. It's ugly. Like it gets worse every week. Like, honestly. This team should have Buffalo should have put up 57 points. They easily they should have they I swear I I I honestly I want to give Brian Dayball a fruit basket for calling out the dogs in the fourth quarter. Because Bishop Bisky even went off. He had a run on us. Like, are you are you serious? If if they didn't choose a nil those last two minutes, uh 50 points. Trubisky would have gotten a touchdown. Thank goodness for the win. And thank goodness for the win because I'm glad we didn't bring it up yesterday. Remember that Josh Allen threw it to Stephon Diggs and and lowered that William Jackson III was in my my backyard and Stephon Diggs was in Buffalo. And and thank God the wind blew blew that football out of his direction and he missed it. And that's the second straight week William Jackson has done something like that. Right. The game against the Giants, Darius Slayton wide open in the end zone off his fingertips. So, like, th- there's clearly some miscommunication. There's the wrong scheme. There's something going on with this defense that they're just not clicking. And it looks like there's no real answer for it. Jack yeah. Del Rio has made zero adjustments. Ron Rivera has made zero adjustments. John Bostic, if he's not cut by tomorrow morning, I'm going to be pissed. Because most of our blown, the, the third down, the third and 15 against the Chargers in week one that that led them, helped them drive down the field and and, and secure the game for them, John Bostic's fault. He's supposed to be covering the, the little zone area where he was at. Dude was all the way on the sidelines. Let Mike Williams just sit there. Or, yeah, it was Mike Williams just sit there at the at the uh, first down marker. And then he, he just – same thing with the passes over the middle to tight ends yesterday. John Bossy just biting on everything, and it is it's just terrible. The the team looks bad all around. Surprisingly, our offense is our strong suit, and Taylor Heineke can only do so much. Right, and I don't even put it on him because he he was forced to do it. And then the thing that that kind of pissed me off about Ron Rivera today, where guys was who he was saying guys was just doing too much and not playing that role, but you're not putting them in the position to to play in their own role. It's almost like okay, I'm getting my ass kicked. I'm trying to find a way to fight, so I gotta, I gotta do what I gotta do, and I'm thinking to myself, how? Like, you, of course, the guys are gonna force it because 
what else can I do? What you're giving me, I'm getting my ass kicked. So of course I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to be like, you know what? I'm just gonna have to find some kind of way and, cre- and add my own creativity. But enough of this, enough of this team, because I'm 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 done. All right. I'm done. But Jerry, your your biggest loser this week. So I got a couple uh, for my when it comes to my biggest losers. So just on the team perspective, I have the Miami Dolphins as one of my losers. Just that loss to the Vegas Raiders, it didn't sit right with me. They had opportunities to win that game. They shouldn't have been in that position. They should have played that game a lot better the entire time. They're scheming. Like, you want to talk about scheming. I don't, like, Brian Flores, to me, and that offense still don't understand how to use weapons because Jalen Waddle had 12 catches but less than 60 yards. That's the least, I, I think there was some stats somewhere. That's the least amount of receiving yards a player's had on 12 plus catches since like the stat was tracked. And that says something because Jarvis Landry played under Adam Gase in Miami. And Jarvis Landry's games were like 13 catches for 75 yards. Like I, I've seen dinner party receipts that were longer than some of Jarvis Landry's catches. And now apparently it's going to be the same case with Jalen Waddle in Miami because like, that we all understand Jalen Waddle's talented. I think that coaching staff understands he's talented, but they just don't understand how to use him. It's like, we're going to throw the ball to you and you got to make a play. Forget the fact that the defense is immediately going to swarm to you because they know you're so talented. Like, we're, we're just not going to scheme this right. Like, I, I just don't understand the scheme. Jacoby Brissett, like, he he played decent, right? Uh, maybe fine, but he didn't he didn't throw any touchdowns in that game. Like, and the all the Dolphins' points came from everything aside from the passing game. And this is supposed to be the season where I know granted two is hurt, but this is supposed to be the season where you're supposed to figure things out when it comes to the passing game. Like you have Devonte Parker, you have Will Fuller, you drafted Jalen Waddle. You're, we were talking about this from last season to this season. The guys who were like your second, third options last year are now like your fourth and fifth, like in Grant and uh, Preston Williams. Like when your second, when your two and three become like your four and five, there's depth now. That should mean like there's a little bit more to fear on your offense, but there's not. And that loss, I'm not. I'm not saying they're losers just because they lost to Vegas. Because I think Vegas has kind of showed us this season, like they there's some good aspects to their team. Like I always said, that there were some decent, pretty good defensive players on that team. The worry was just about the collection, the unit, right? But that defense has played pretty well. You got to give them credit for the victories they've had so far, and especially Derek Carr. Like we can't. I, I think we're all in agreement. We all love Derek Carr because he suffered the these last couple of years. Like the the one time he brought them to the playoffs, he got hurt. He, didn't, he wasn't even allowed to play in the game. So if the Raiders do shock us all and make the playoffs, like I'll just be happy for Derek Carr because he he deserves it. Like he specifically deserves it. So that the Dolphins are one of my losers there. Um Lyle Collins, the <sighs> the like you get a two-game suspension. Just tell me the logic here. You get originally a five-game suspension, right? It's brought down to two games because the NFLPA got your back. It's like, okay, two games, five games, it's not bad. Two game checks, like, it sucks, but it's not five, right? But he he forces it to an arbiter. And the arbiter, not only does, does the arbiter rule, like, oh, the two games are still there. We're going back to five games. Like, this is a prime example of take what you are given, dude. How the heck? And this is the thing now, because of the, the testing, it because in the in the CBA that was recently signed, they can't get suspended for marijuana now, but they still have to test for it. Like the, this is the thing I don't understand. Not only did he miss like, what was it? Six, seven tests. I think was the number he tries. To, this is, this is the part that's absolutely outstanding to me. This is he like, tried I'm, to bribe. he tried to bribe the tester. Like 
Dude, this person works for the NFL. Like, yes, Lyle Collins, like, you made some money, but this person works for the NFL. They're not going to take a bribe from you. Like, And he's just Lyle Collins. That's what I want to put. Like, he's yes. not – I'm not saying that they take bribes, but, like, this is Lyle Collins we're talking about. We're not talking about a top 10 to 15 player right. in the NFL who, like, everybody loves and knows, like, the NFL runs because you step on the field every Sunday. It's Lyle Collins. Like, yeah. the Cowboys will function without him, and the rest of the league will function without him. You're nobody. Nobody's going to risk their job. Like, ain't nobody risking a job for Lyle Collins. Exactly. Like, just the fact – like, I, I will give credit where credit is due, like – the the gall to try to do that like there there's an, a modicum of respect you gotta have maybe that's the european in me but there, there's a modicum of respect there for that but like mo just said it best you're lyle collins like ain't no one risking their job for you bro just it, it's not happening no one's taking a bribe from you and risking no. their job security so that was just bad mm-hmm. and then my last loser it, it's a collection of guys rookie quarterbacks this past week it was just bad to be a rookie quarterback trevor lawrence he was supposed to be like the just based off of the hype. He came in as the best quarterback prospect we've seen from since Andrew Luck. And I and he he's played fine in some instances. He's had some good throws, he's had a couple touchdowns. Like you you could say he's probably been one of if not the best by default of all the rookies so far. But there's just something off there in Jacksonville. And maybe is it what Urban Meyer and them are trying to do there? Maybe is it just Lawrence needs that time to transition into the NFL? Which if he does, like, of course, every rookie quarterback deserves that grace period, right? Like, this isn't an attack to all these guys. I genuinely do know there is a grace period needed. But if we're just basing off of whether it's performance or result, it was not a good week to be a rookie quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, another loss. Um, Zach Wilson, another couple interceptions, another loss. It's just not looking great in New York. They need to fix things up. They got to protect that boy because man, some of these still shots that people are finding where it's like two, one lineman's getting double teamed. And then there's like two that are free to go at him while he's trying to hand the ball off, by the way, like he, he will get sacked trying to hand the ball off on a running play. Like that's, that's just rough. Trey Lance didn't play. So it's like, can't say much about him, but they still technically lost. So it's like, eh, there you go, Trey. Maybe it's a good thing for him at the end of the day. Maybe one step closer to that job. Uh, Matt Jones did not look great against New Orleans. Granted, that defensive back crew in New Orleans is outstanding. But Matt Jones, like, that that was one of those games where it's just... Jameis Winston wasn't phenomenal. Like, you could have you could have outplayed him, and you didn't. And then the the biggest loser of them all, and I feel so bad for him, but Justin Fields, man. that Matt Nagy and that offensive uh, coaching staff, I don't even want to call them an offensive coaching staff for what they did to him, but they just did not do him any favors. Um, I think, uh, what I, I forget what the number is, but if you account sacks, uh, the, the yardage lost because of sacks into the bears offensive numbers in that game, or, or just at least their passing numbers, it's only one yard passing technically. And then I think if you include the total offense, Justin Tucker kicked the longer field goal. Like it is just wild to me, right. wild that it, it was that bad. And we funny, funny enough, we talked about it last week on BNB. Like all Justin Fields need, like if there's anything Justin Fields can be in this Browns game, it, it just just try to be confident and try to attack whatever the defense is you know throwing at you. The problem is is when the defense is literally attacking you on every single possession, you don't get that opportunity to counteract. Miles Garrett, like he already is a game wrecker, but my God, he he looked like just a complete destroyer, like uh, Galactus or Kang. Uh, in the MCU like he literally came in to destroy the world he destroyed Justin Fields world in that game he destroyed that Bears offensive line that defense looked comfortable the entire time there was never a threat that the Bears were ever going to do anything it's just insane and the audacity for Matt Nagy to say it's an open job going into week four (laughs) 
What? Tell me with a straight face that Nick Foles could have dealt with that any better. Tell me with a straight face. You would have no put way. an injured Andy Dalton through that, Matt Nagy. Like, I, I've said this ever since the that uh, I guess now really is a unicorn of a season that they had with Mitch when they made the play- when they made the playoffs with winning the division. That one year they had, we all know it was a fluke. Like we we knew it during that season, it was a fluke, and this just confirms it. Like the, it's just been so bad. Like, yeah. Matt, bro, oh. my my only thing just my only thing to to agree with you, Jeremy, is like we're fans of different teams, right? Like like we like and not once. First off. Y'all have a monster, Rob and uh and Couch Coach, that we would say we'd never do this against. Chase Young, top five defensive end, top seven, however we want to look at it. We would never single cover Chase Young and allow him to wreak havoc on Dak Prescott. If he did get four and a half sacks, it would be because Chase Young had the most monstrous day you could ever have, and he earned every sack he got. Not playing one-on-one coverage against no Chase Young and allowing him to touch Dak Prescott. Four and a half sacks is just what he recorded. That's not the times that he got in in in, in Justin Fields' face. That's not the times that he knocked him down on a throw. That is just sacks alone. Or sacks he no created. Way, or sacks he no probably way, created for some for the others. But no way none of our teams do that. Like, no way would you even be okay with your coach like Okay, your quarterback playing bad, it happens, or you kill the quarterback and you accept it. But your quarterback running for his life on a whole on all day, you're never okay with that. You look at the coach like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why is a rookie quarterback literally running for his life? Like, like, no matter what we say about scores and who won and who this, we haven't really seen our quarterbacks back there in the worst position ever. Heineke hasn't been in that position where like he's just in the worst position ever for a quarterback running for his life. There's no protection. He's terrified. Dak hasn't. Like, I could. And Justin Fields is back there. Bro, Matt Nagy should be fired. Literally should be fired. It looked like he tried to either A, it, it really, and people have said this, but I said this yesterday and I said it in the group chat. Bro, it looked like either A, he tried to throw the game. Like, hey, you know what? I don't want Justin Fields to be successful because then it'll make me look bad that I've been having Andy Darton start from the jump. Or B, just was like, he can't do it. And now we have to apologize to Mitch Trubisky for thinking that he was the problem in Chicago. And it, and he wasn't. Like, if you look at what, what's happened between Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields, what's the common denominator? Matt Nagy is the head coach. So is it Trubisky was the problem? Or is it all of us who who jumped out on Trubisky and tried to say Nagy was the guy and Trubisky just wasn't it, that we all need to apologize to Trubisky and apologize to Fields and say that Fields is the biggest loser for having to deal with Matt Nagy being his head coach. And I think that's the problem. Like, I think Matt Nagy is just not competent enough to coach these guys who are athletic and can make plays with their feet as well as with their arms and extend plays. And I think, like, now I'm looking at Mitch Trubisky in a whole different light. And if I'm a team with a quarterback issue, I'm almost looking like, hey, bro, I'm trying to trade for Trubisky <laughs> only because he might not have been the problem. It might have been Nagy, and the price wouldn't cost you a lot to get Trubisky. And, and that's a real possibility. Like, I just think, like, bro, Matt Nagy looked horrible, bro. That was horrible. Like, it was absolutely horrible. Credit to, to Cleveland's defense, but that was bad. That was probably the worst thing I saw all weekend. But yeah. So we also did a, a poll 
um, with our couch coaches, and they actually, they, you know, they did my, they, they was right. They was on the money. They had to watch the football team, 32%, 37%, followed by the Buccaneers and the 49ers, and then 10% of other. I think, I think uh, Kenneth said Seattle. I think he was one of the ones that chimed in. I think the majority was with Seattle that, that was in that 10% uh, range. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what can I say? Yeah. <laughs> like, I would I, honestly for, for the options in that poll, I would have put Seattle as the third proper one instead of San Fran because like the yeah. the only real loss of with San Fran is that you yeah. you're the next team to lose ground in that division yeah. now because Arizona's three and zero, LA is three and zero. I think that's the that's yeah. the only reason it's a loss. Yeah, and then like and then in just a heartbreaking fashion, you control yeah. the tempo of the whole game and then you lose in thirty seven seconds. Right. That's, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers yeah. does that though. Like I know not 37 yeah. seconds, but Aaron Rodgers is just going to do that to you. Like he, that yeah. was, that was for Aaron Rodgers to literally remind everyone like, Hey, by the way, I was the MVP last season for a reason. Like just FYI. Yeah. 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 I mean, Hey, it is what it is, but yeah. Um, yeah. But Washington. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with, you know, with the majority of them, 37%. I, it should be a hundred percent. Cause that was, that was horrible. That was, I don't even want to really want to talk about it no more. But uh, biggest overreaction this uh, biggest overreaction this week. I'm gonna go with you first, Mo. What you got? I mean, like we could just there, there's a list of things that we could go with and overreact with and and label guys as this and that or whatever. But I will say this: my biggest overreaction is the Kansas City Chiefs are in trouble. I'm not saying they don't win the division. I'm not saying I'm not going that far to put a division winner on the AFC West. But what I'm going to say, uh, overreact, the Kansas City Chiefs are in trouble. They're 1-2. and two, The Raiders are 3-0. and oh, Justin Her- They just lost to a division foe in uh, Justin Herbert in the, in the L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers look good. Justin Herbert looks good. The quarterbacks in that division look good through three weeks, and I know it's only three weeks, but Teddy Bridgewater, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbert, they all look good. And the Chiefs are the team that are sitting at one and two. The Chargers are two and one, and both the Raiders and the Broncos have handled business and are three and zero. I mean, to say that that sometimes in a season teams just need need they just need motivation. Yeah, the Broncos are three and zero, and nope, they beat teams who haven't won a game. Yeah, but guess what? You still have to step out on the field and do what you're supposed to do. If you are the better team, you got to win that game. We can knock them and say they're not for real, but at the end of the day, they're three and zero, and they beat the teams they're supposed to. That's what good teams do. They they don't lose. They lose games to better teams, and they win games that they're better that they're supposed to. So we can knock them all day, and I, maybe they do fall off. Maybe the Raiders do fall off, but the Chiefs are in trouble. And and I say that because of quarterback play. There's only one division that has better quarterback play than I would say the AFC West, and that's staying on the West Coast in the NFC West with Russell Wilson, Jimmy G. Uh, Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray. That's probably the only division with quarterback play better than, and through three weeks, that's questionable just based on how everybody's playing. So I would say the Chiefs are in trouble because their defense looks bad. Patrick Mahomes has made some mistakes. He's still, to me, the best quarterback in the NFL. I think like I don't, nobody's overtaking that spot, but they are in some trouble. And yeah, they just added Josh Gordon, but like, the production of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey wasn't the problem. Like I would have been better off if I heard they added Richard Sherman 
not Josh Gordon. Like they're not their offensive production is not the problem. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire finally got going and ran the ball, and they still lost. Like their run offense was horrible through two weeks. They get it going in week one and they lose. So I'm just saying, I think as an overreaction, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are in trouble. There's a little bit of eye raising, eyebrow raising, and some concern for how good the AFC West has looked up to this point and the fact that they're in last place. Yeah. Cruz, what you got? So I got two. One of them kind of touches on uh, my overreaction last week. Uh, the Bengals will make the playoff as, as a seven seed. Joe Burrow is looking really good. I understand they just beat up. I mean, they beat the Vikings, who just beat Seattle, who, you know, most of us pretty much expected that Seattle would struggle to be, you know, in, in the mix. I'm not going to specify people who who thought Seattle was still going to be this dominant team, Mo. Um, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> but they just beat Pittsburgh, who – Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's, I mean, they're still Pittsburgh. They still got two-time Super Bowl champ Ben Roethlisberger. They still got good weapons at receiver. They still have a decent defense. Looking at their schedule, they got Jacksonville up next, which we all anticipate they'll win. Uh, then they got Green Bay, which, you know, Joe Burrow get a wake-up call. And you got the Lions, the Ravens, who haven't looked great, the Jets. I think they'll split with the Browns. I'll uh, go one-on-one -on -one with the Browns. And then they have the Broncos. I I can see them winning both against the Ravens, so I I think they they could possibly get ten wins this season and and squeeze into the, the that seventh seed in the playoffs. Um, number two is for the first time in NFL history we'll have two zero and sixteen teams this season. Uh, the Lions and the Jets are both going zero and sixteen. Yesterday was and and here's the thing about zero and sixteen teams: we've only had two of them, one of which the Lions. They still have those close games where or they should have won. And even teams that go one and fifteen or you know two and fourteen when you know when it was a 16 game season. In fact, the Ravens almost were the on the on the losing end of that one year. I think it was in 2007, I believe, with the Miami Dolphins. When they they almost Ravens almost lost to Miami. Um so Looking at the way that the, the Lions look as a whole, yesterday was was lucky for them in the sense that they were in that game. Um, unlucky in the sense that Justin Tucker has the best leg to ever grace us on a football field. Uh, so, yeah, Jets and Lions are both going 0-16 this season. Yeah. Jerk, what you got? Quick comment, really, on all three that we've heard so far. Um Mo, I definitely see Kansas City. They should make a trade. Like I, I, I can agree with the statement because I think they should make a trade. They have their first and second round pick for this year's draft because they didn't need to trade a future pick. Well, they didn't trade a high round future pick in that Orlando Brown trade that they made with Baltimore. So they should use their first or second. If you're going to be a Super Bowl team. Like draft picks can be finite, and I think they should use the first or second in a trade for a defensive player, someone that could help them out on that end. Because I think we all agree, offense they're fine. Uh, Cruz, honestly, like. I like the Bengals take. I think there is a chance like they're going to be above 500 midway through the season. And honestly, that's all you need. Cause I think with how the dolphins, the Colts and the Pats look, the seventh seed is way up for grabs in the AFC. I think that's an outstanding take that honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go on that boat with you. I'm gonna go on that boat with you. And Welcome to the Island. Yes. And then the Owen 16 slash Owen 17. Cause now 17 game season. Oh, yeah. Like, Hey, I'm all for it. I love like, it, this is kind of terrible of me, and especially because, you know, a, another podcast I do, like, both my co-hosts are Jets fans, so, you know, I, I feel bad for saying this, but you just see, like, 
if two teams go 0-17, that's just a special type of futility. But I think it's only – we deserve it as fans <laughs> in do. this first ever season of 17 games. So it, it would just be the icing on the cake. Uh, for mine, I have one main one and one smaller one. My one main one is just like – I looked at myself today like, all right, if I'm coming on, like I just want to go way out there. Like I, my overreaction kind of doesn't even make sense, but I just want to say because I think it would be funny more so. My small overreaction is – I don't think a quarterback is winning offensive rookie of the year this year. I think with how the rookie quarterbacks have looked, it, it's wide open. I think there's more than enough space because the thing with offensive rookie of the year is like record doesn't matter. Right. And stats, unless you put up a next level type season, like it only then is it going to heavily weigh towards you. I think it's pretty wide open to where if Najee Harris can somehow find a way to get things going in Pittsburgh. I know that's more on the offensive line, but if he can somehow get a couple of these big games for himself, if Jamar Chase continues to just ball out this season. Yeah, like, I think he's leading right now. Yeah, plen- plenty of opportunity for a skill position player to get offensive rookie there. And I think, again, we're talking about things that could happen this season. No quarterback is looking like the guy this year for their team, like Justin Herbert did last year. And while I think Herbert's rookie season has now kind of skewed what it's going to be like for the next like two classes of rookies coming in, including this one, I just think like no quarterback has made a case that they should be offensive rookie of the year or has shown like that they will be. Like there, I have seen nothing from Zach Wilson that makes me think he's going to bounce back in terms of like uh, offensive rookie of the year caliber. Like the interceptions are going to be up here there. He's going to have his good games, but nothing to make you think like rookie of the year. Trevor Lawrence is going to have his games, but he's it's not going to be overwhelming like some people probably thought before the season. So I personally like the idea of a running back or receiver winning offensive rookie of the year this year because I like the skill position groups. I or, really do. Or the NFL can adopt the stupid NBA rule where you can be seven years in the league and still be a rookie somehow, and <laughs> Joe Burrow can walk away with it. That that would be nice. That would be a nice thing. Kind of kind of deserving. He, he, he didn't win it. enough games. He's still considered a rookie because he didn't play <laughs> right. in enough games exactly. last year. They, they only played be. in 11 games. That's not a lot. They should do Yeah, that. he's still a rookie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the Ben Simmons effect. Yeah. And my yeah. bigger, my bigger just overreaction, um, this this might put me in the in an insane asylum on Cruise Island, but uh-uh. I got I got two retirements that I want to see happen from two quarterbacks. I think okay. Big Ben. I think Big Ben should retire during the season. Absolutely, not after. Oh. I want him to retire yeah. during the season. Oh, He's, his arm Whoa. is so done. His <laughs> arm is so done. Like, yeah, he is dude, done. I don't think he's yeah. going to make it past this year. Now we all know why he came back. The money, but he's done this whole Brett Favre shtick the last three, four seasons in Pittsburgh, and I think this. If last season for some, because for some reason people still held out faith in Big Ben going into this year. Do not be fooled by that win over the Buffalo Bills. That won because of him. And now we're seeing it. TJ Watt is hurt. The offensive line is bad. Their offensive play calling is just terrible. Like, and and he kind of got hurt last week, but apparently he's going to play. I don't know what the whole situation is. Like, I mean, that's his whole career given. So I'm not going to look too much into it. But I think he should retire during the season and just do all of us a favor because Pittsburgh, like, he he doesn't, he's not the reason that they're going to win a lot of games this season, this year anymore. He's just not that guy anymore. And it would just do us all a favor. It really would. Uh, and my bigger one, I even think bigger than big Ben calling it quits in the well, middle of the season. That, that means it has to be somebody who's still no, good. No, no, no. Yeah. no. Well, yeah. it's not because of name or anything. It's because he's, he would retire younger than most quarterbacks would Carson Wentz. 
There you go. Cruz read my mind. Oh, I think Carson Wentz should retire Let's after go. this season. He's dealt with so many injuries. He looks he looks like honestly, whenever he gets hit, it feels like whenever a robot falls down from like 30 feet and like his arm pops off, sockets are coming out. You see the screws coming out of his neck and all that. Like his leg is bending the wrong way. It's just so bad for he already had a surgery within the last two months. Remember, he got a, right. a surgical procedure on that yep. foot. He sprained yep. both ankles. ankles. Who sprains both ankles? both ankles? How does that happen? Yeah. Like, I just don't like it's you a- would think after one's hurt, you'd you'd like, all right, I'm done for the day. Yeah, right. like, you wouldn't leave yourself open to sprain both. Right. Like you would just think that that doesn't happen. I, I think it's because he's trying to leave himself an out. Like when when it, it finally he realizes it's over, because I think he knows it's over. He's he's a bust. You know, he had that one really good year, but then we saw Nick Foles come hurt. in and get hurt. And right, he got, he hurt. got hurt. Yeah, we saw Nick Foles come in yep. and ca- pick up right where he left off. So clearly, that was a team thing. Yeah, that he's he's his his big supporters are gonna be able to say, well, he was always hurt. He was always hurt. You know how kind of like how Washington fans were with RG three for the first three seasons. Always hurt. He's not the same quarterback. He'll adjust. He's not gonna adjust. But my favorite Carson Wentz news outside of the fact that he should retire because I want him gone just as bad as you do, was, I don't know if you guys saw on Colin Coward uh, during his press conference, he was talking about, you know, his two sprained ankles and what the plan was. He basically said, we're going to listen to the doctors and, and you know, go from there. And Joy Taylor, as but as soon as he stopped talking, he goes, well, at least you listen to those doctors. <laughs> Hands down, my favorite Joy, Joy Taylor moment and my favorite Carson Wentz moment of all time. Yeah, oh, that's but, um, and then yeah. couch coach. I just got one more, and I and, and it's right. it's not it has to do with college football, but it's it's NFL. There is not a reason for a single team in the NFL to be talking about tanking. So far, right now, based on what NFL teams are seeing, there's not a single reason that any NFL team should go into any game and say we should lose. There's not a single general manager. There's not a single owner that should go into. And I know it's only week three, but that you start filling out, hey, my team's just not very good. But there is not a reason for any team to tank. There are some talented skill position players, but what do you tank for? You tank for quarterbacks. You don't tank for, for skill players. You don't tank for defensive players, to be honest. Because, like, you look at, and, and I, I hate to bring this up, but, like, you look at Washington, right? They were able to get a Chase Young. But they still have, like, oh, we wish we had that quarterback. But now, like, they're in that we might be too good to really tank for a quarterback. Or even this year, like, even if we're just – we just say, you know what, let's be god-awful. There's not really a quarterback you'll fall in love with. Any NFL team tanking better have, like, hey, if I could get the number one pick, I'm trading back for any dumb owner that falls in love with any of these quarterbacks because there's not a single quarterback to tank for in the NFL. So right now, if you're 0-3 or or 1-2 – and you ready to hang it up on the season? Continue to try and win games because there's there's very pointless to tank because more than likely whoever you have your eyes on, you'll be able to get now. You'll be able to get wherever you fall if you're a bad team anyway because this quarterback class is absolutely dreadful. Very I true. really believe that. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Yeah, um, Mads, um, yeah, it, it's time for Mason Rudolph in, in Pittsburgh. I mean, it, it was it was painful to see him play yesterday. And to think he almost threw 60 times yesterday. He threw 58 times yesterday. Even though, you know, the Bengals pretty much, you know, they was playing behind. But, my goodness, this man was struggling the whole entire game. 
And almost to Jerry's point, I don't necessarily don't say retire, but how much inactive? You know, Eli Manning him? Yeah, I mean that's I mean because like you said, you don't. It's almost it's kind of sad because it's almost like he's like the guy that keeps on hanging on to 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 a thread, and it just and it just feels bad. Like to a point, let's just stop the bleeding. It's almost just like um like Rocky Four example when Apollo Creed was getting murdered by Ivan Drago and they kept on telling him, throw in the towel, throw in the towel, but he kept on going, kept on going. That's how I feel with Big Ben. Like it's over. Like, like you said, and if they continue on this pace, Mike Tom is going to have his, his uh, a losing season because big, like you said, Ben, he, he can't do this. And if they play behind like this all the time, he throwing 50 some, you know, 50 some times a game, this is not good. And like you said, and you hope you, you see from, um, Dodger Harris can do something to at least salvage that offense because now, you know, they look in a situation where he just could keep throwing the football and you can't, I mean, this man almost 40 years old and he ain't Tom Brady 40. This, you know, it's a little bit different with that. Then the Denver Broncos. So I did a simulated season and actually had the Denver Broncos win the AFC West. And I think I low key, I'm going to stick with it. And the sad thing about, the Denver Broncos, I used to talk, call them the Washington football team in the West. They're actually the team that I wish the Washington football was and who we thought the Washington football team was. So it's a part of it's a little bit of envy. But they, I can't I can't even call the Denver Broncos the Washington football team in the West anymore. They're gonna be the team that I wish the Washington football team was. Because Denver, y'all, are, yeah. y'all are so hard on I mean, I, mean, I get it, we're hard on our teams But all I'm saying is like I get it, but like Bro, yeah. like Denver's 3-0, and trust me, yeah. like I said they, But bro, they, yeah. their teams they played against Are 0-9 Like they have yeah. not played against a team that has won a game That's true a game. Right, but even with that they're still a good football team regardless of the fact. I still think they, they could be competitive in those games. Like, they'll be competitive in the AFC West. They'll be competitive against their foes. I used to compare them to a team that I thought would had that type that had that type of moxie, but they don't. And like, well, you'll it, be competitive against your foes. But the thing about this, like, though, you'll, you'll beat no. Philly and the Giants, like – but right, but those folks least. should not be competitive with in, us, though. But that's in, that's in January. That's in December. God knows what we're gonna be once we once we play y'all on December the twelfth. Who knows what this team gonna be in three months from now? It's Mo. Man, here's the difference between the Broncos team, and Washington. Here's the difference <laughs> between those two teams. Four months ago, there weren't people talking about that Broncos defense breaking the all-time sack record. There weren't people yeah. talking about this could be a top 10, top 15 defense of all time. The, the, those those talks weren't happening in Denver. Those talks were happening in D.C. And it'd be different if our def- if we were losing 10 to 13, 13 to 21. If we went losing low-scoring games because our, def- our offense just couldn't hang one or two more plays, one more drive, that'd be one thing. We're losing games because our defense – our supposedly elite defense that even during the game yesterday was irritating the hell out of me when when the broadcaster kept saying, oh, the you know, the Buffaloes are did it against this elite defense. You can't stop. You cannot call this defense elite anymore. Three, I get it. You say four or five games. I, 
you know, I, I I agree that to a certain extent, but we have seen the, seen the same exact defense for the first three weeks. I'm fairly confident to say that this is what our defense is, and this is what our defense will be for the remainder of the season if certain things don't change. And that's why we were so on a narrative where it was going to be like a repeat of 2020. There was really no need to to draft a quarterback or get – we had, you know, because how we won last year, we won the battle – in the trenches, the turnover mm-hmm. battles. And we just had minuscule quarterback play. Like I, like we talked about on, um, I forgot, one of the shows. I think um, Alex Smith had six touchdowns, eight interceptions. And, still, and I think he won like three or four of those games. Essentially, one of the reasons why we, we won a division. So yeah. you think to hell, if you just get a journeyman quarterback and, and, a, and an engineer major from ODU, we'd be all right. But – you know, the defense, the defense just let, let, let us down. But, I mean, it is what it is. Like you said, it's, the thing is, you, my stance would be a little bit softer if, they, if, if we start seeing, seeing improved play. It, it get, it's getting worse and worse by the week. So, I think once, and then the thing is, you don't want to, because this was supposed to be the soft part of your schedule. That's the thing that really concerned me because we, I figured – you need to take care of business now because you got a long, long road ahead. And like we talked about on, on Watch Football Guys the other night, this is supposed to be a message stick game, but you can throw away the mirror. I mean, you can throw away the, the ruler because you're not you're, you're not even on the you're not even on the measuring stick at this point. We measured up to right where it said we suck. <laughs> is there even a part on the rule that said we suck? It's like is, they shouldn't even be on the rule itself. Well, I will say this. If Dallas loses to Philly, I'm going to feel even worse. I'm going to be even worse on my team than y'all. So, I mean, I guess we about to find out in a couple hours who really hates their team at this moment. If Philly's able to pull it out tonight, I will feel a a little bit better about our chances to win the division. Or even if it's a low scoring game and Dallas still wins, I'll still feel better. But just the way that Dallas looked against Tampa Bay in week one, the way they looked against the Chargers. I, I'm I'm fu- fully confident that you guys are gonna run you guys are gonna run away with this division. I feel like we should. I've said that. I feel like we should. Just how everybody looks through. I mean, we're about to find out how we look, so we can say how everybody looked through three weeks. But just based on what I saw, like Washington defense isn't as elite as we all thought they were gonna be. Philly is a, a tale of two games, you know, up and down. Really good against Atlanta's horrible defense. And then, you know, back to earth against San Francisco. And I'm looking at Dallas and like, hey, when you talk about like this is where guys make their money. You know, everybody points to Dallas and they got Dak and they got Zeke and they got these linebackers who are paid a lot of money and this and that. And like this is where guys make their money. And so on paper, Dallas has one of the most talented rosters in the NFL on paper. But you could be paper soldiers instead of production soldiers also. Which is what Dallas has been the past couple of years since paying these guys. They play great, earn their paycheck, and then they fall off. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence ain't been to say he was a top five defensive end. Gets paid, falls off. Jalen Smith looked like the next best linebacker in the game. Gets paid, falls off. Zeke Elliott was the best running back in the league. Gets paid, falls off. Like the only person who's looked like he's worth any type of money that you pay him so far since getting paid would be Dak Prescott. So are we gonna be paper soldiers? And just get guys who, hey, your first couple of years we get the max production, pay them, and then they're gone? Or are we going to be production soldiers? And I think this year would be a key way to take advantage 
of being production soldiers because, God, I'm tired of being paper soldiers. I'm tired of everybody saying how good our roster should be, and we not. Like, we not producing what our roster says we're worth and, and what we should be. I'm tired of it. The irony of the fact that the last guy Jerry Jones wanted to pay is the guy most worth his contract extension. Like, that, that that's pretty telling. Yeah, wild, wild, isn't it? Like, the one he hesitated yeah. to pay the most is the one who actually looks like if anybody was worth the money that they are being paid, <laughs> it is that guy. And he was so hesitant on paying Dak Prescott. But I'm glad that Dak Prescott looks great just because, like, once we do get rid of Ezekiel Elliott, and I think it's the inevitable. I hate to say it. I love Zeke, you know, Buckeye. Cowboy just meant for me to him to be one of my favorite players in the game, but it's inevitable that we're gonna end up getting rid of him. But I think like we're proving now we don't need Zeke to be successful as an offense. Like Dak could get the job done, whatever that job may be, he could get the job done, and, and we could plug plug and play guys at running back. And that's kind of what the position is starting to be. Outside of a couple teams, the running back position is starting to become a plug and play position anyway. Like. There's only a couple teams that win, like win or die on the road, like with a running back. Other than that, like you could put any look at San Francisco, like their run game is still effective, and they're on the like eighth running back this year. Like this year, through three games, they play like eight different running backs. So outside of a couple teams, bro, like you're running, you put anybody in there to run the ball. So I mean, I think at this point, like, hey, just put your pride to the side, bro. It's a bad contract. By Jerry Jones, like you overpaid for Zeke. I'm not saying Zeke shouldn't have got paid, but you overpaid for him. And sometimes you just gotta let him go, bro. Business, you know, it's a business thing. So I hate to say it, but I mean, I think Zeke has a little bit of value now. I think this is most value you'll get for him. So if you end up trading him, I think you have to trade him now. You keep him through the season, allow him to play like this. He has no value, and he's just either cut him and take that loss against the the salary cap, or keep him on there and just keep hearing about how it was a bad contract. So they got some business decisions to make over there in Dallas. Yeah, like I said, I can get 50 off the San Francisco line, guaranteed. Yeah, even like my age. Even with Dallas line, like Dallas isn't a top three to five line anymore, but they're still a good offensive line. Like they still are good enough that I mean, look, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott against the Chargers played really great. Like as a as a combination, they played really great. So that's my thing is like you know Tony Pollard outperforms Zeke. He always looks more explosive when they step out on the field. Hey, maybe Zeke taking all them carries his first few years took a beating and, and isn't there no more. And it's okay. Like, you know, hey, he's not a Hall of Fame running back. He's not going to have a Hall of Fame career. It's okay. He was really good for what he did for us while he was here. But sometimes you do got to make business decisions. I'm just waiting on Dallas to really make those business decisions because we're holding on to a lot of money that that we could have cut, let go, and, and kept it moving and been better off in the long haul. So I'm waiting to see what Dallas does with that. All right. Oh, shit. All right, so fellas, let's uh, put a bow on this week's overreaction Monday. So fellas, um, round the horn, social media, upcoming projects. What you got? I'm going with you first, Mo. Yeah, at Up and Flames Pod on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Mo underscore Cheese fifteen. I'm gonna have an episode drop at some point uh, this week. I don't really have a date, but I'm gonna have some dropping talking college football, NFL. I mean, it's football season. You know, we're, we're ramping things up. It's really mattering, especially in college football. Uh, so I have something coming out at, at some point this week. And, uh, hey, go Cowboys. All right, Cowboys, Monday night football. Go Cowboys. All right. Cruz, what you got? Uh, real quick, um, I don't know if you guys said it in the first part of the show, but the, the true biggest winner of this weekend is our boy Steven. 
you know, he's he's out doing doing he's out fighting the good fight right now. But uh, his Arkansas Razorbacks just moved look up amazing. to number eight in the country. <laughs> yeah. You know, the his Rams just beat the defending Super Bowl champs, looking every bit of the you know Super Bowl hopefuls that we all thought that they would be. So shout out Steven. When he gets back, I, I definitely uh, look forward to seeing his reaction to all of that. But other than that, you already know where you can find me, FNC Pod on Twitter, Football and Chill Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Cruise Island will be back this Wednesday. Um, I will be talking about the one topic. I don't know the other two, but one for sure is the potential new, um, like the Sunday ticket package that's going to be because DirecTV, their whole contract expires after this season. Right now, it's looking like either Amazon or Apple are going to get the rights to it. And it's going to be just like how the NBA and the MLB does theirs. You can either pay for the whole the whole league or you can pay for individual teams, which you already, already know where I'm about to be spending my money. Or they're going to go one step further and you can pay for individual games. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be the first topic. Um, I'm going to get probably one or two more topics, but definitely uh, stay tuned for that. Jerk, what you got? Media consumption continues to change. And as a media studies uh, major uh, with what I graduated with, love to hear it. <laughs> um, at JerkK40 for myself personally on my socials, but at Bunsen Bruises for the show on the Off the Ball Network in and of itself. Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You know, part, part of the amazing Wednesday night lineup whenever, you know, Cruise Island is on. You get you get B&B to start and then you finish off with Cruise Island. There's no better way to end off the middle of the week, go into the last portion of the week, you know, than, than hearing two, two of the best shows. And, of course, two of the best hot take artists back-to-back, Bars on BNB, Cruise, Cru- Cruise on Cruise Island. Bar- bars brings the fire. He brings everything. He brings the looks. I bring some knowledge. And, yeah, that's, that's about <laughs> it. But, you know, make sure y'all tune in every Wednesday night. And, of course, to everything we do on Off the Ball Network, make sure y'all, make sure y'all tune in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Couch Coach Live. Also, podcast tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, overreaction Monday, obviously on Mondays. Uh, we got See You Sunday, Sunday, Saturday. I keep on doing it. Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here exclusively on All the Ball Network, Facebook, and Twitter page. Uh, the Washington Football Guys with me and Rob on Friday nights, <laughs> gang gang, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then also uh, the Washington Washington Football Guys post game show Sundays following a Washington football uh, football team game. Um, yeah, man. So we out here, man. Um, you know, and well, I guess we're, we're supposed to be doing a, co- a collision course with the uh, uh, Falcons laugh through this week potentially. We still we still cooking That's that the up. Plan. That's the, plan, that's the plan, you know, that's the plan. We'll cook it up, you know. But, yeah, man, so uh, this has been this week's Overreaction Monday, man. We'll catch you guys uh, next week.